What's good? This is Kelsey, founder and fearless leader of Dope. You are zoned in for an episode of Soberpreneur, a look at what happens when we deal with our past shit, talk openly about that shit, and go do other awesome shit. Today we sat down with Marnie Ray, fellow sober sister and founder of National Mocktail Week. That is a thing. Heck yeah. She talks about her early days of sobriety and we swap some stories on attempting to order mocktails to the confusion of many a bartender. Also, for those who do drink, there's some fun tips in here on how to throw more inclusive parties and not seem like a total jerk. Worth noting. (laughs) Let's jump into things with Marnie. Welcome, Marnie. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So uh, the fact that National Mocktail Week exists is amazing. How long has it been around? And uh, then we'll get into more about why you <laughs> you started it. <laughs> uh, January 19 or January 2019 was the first annual National Mocktail Week. So we have not quite been in existence for one full year yet, but we are getting close. Well, that is so cool. Like it's such a sign of the times that that's even a concept to happen. Um, when I got sober four years ago, the idea of a mocktail still made people kind of like make their face weird. Like, what did she say? Did she mean cocktail? Like, (laughs) what is, you know, like, what is she asking for? And then like, without alcohol, like, could not comprehend that I wanted something other than a glass of cranberry juice, but I didn't want vodka. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. It's a tough spin there. So what are you all about? Kind of what are you working on building and, you know, um, who is Marnie Ray? So I started Marnie Ray about three years ago. Um, just I've been sober for 17 years. And um, as you just mentioned, it's sort of like a quick round of applause. I'll put in some like crowd audience screaming <laughs> audio here. <Yeah>. It's amazing. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Um, I just, it's, uh, was just a constant frustration for me. Um, because when I was drinking, we obviously socialized a lot. Um, we were out and about a lot, had parties at home a lot and drinking was the, you know, obviously a focus of our entertainment. So when I got sober, yeah, right. When I got sober, we were still going out. We were still entertaining at home. Um, my husband and I love to go out to eat and go to concerts, that type of thing. And I just, it was such a frustration for me, not only in my early sobriety, because I just didn't know what to order. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't drink soda really. So I just, I really was clueless as to what, what I could order at a bar. And then you have that weirdness of, you know, you're around a bunch of people that are used to you drinking and now you're not, and they want to know why you're not drinking. And it just kind of turns into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets awkward. And so, I would order cranberry juice and tonic with a lime, which I absolutely hated, but it was the only thing I knew that like looked like a drink. Yeah. And then I felt like kind of a grown up, like, oh, I'll have a cranberry juice and tonic, please. Like it just, the whole thing was so lame. And so anyhow, fast forward to about uh, a couple of years ago, my husband and I were down in Oregon um, on a weekend away at a very nice farm to table restaurant with a super creative menu. And I just knew they were going to have a drink for me and they didn't. (laughs) And not only did they not have a drink, like even on the menu, but the server just wasn't educated enough to know, you know, what to offer me or how to respond when I asked what they had that was, you know, an alcoholic cocktail. And so it just turned into this uncomfortable, um, unhappy experience. And I thought, dang it. 17 years and nothing has changed really in this industry. And so I decided I was going to try and change it. Um, I created my website and my idea at the time was I was just going to highlight 
all the people out there that were making really great mocktails in order to inspire others mm -hmm. to do the same. But the problem about three years ago was there really wasn't anybody making mocktails. Um, if you, <laughs> you're like trying to build like a Yelp for mocktail bars and you're like, oh, there's no one to sign up. <laughs> oh, that's totally it. I couldn't yeah. even find bloggers that were making mocktails. They were, if you were to Google mocktail, a lot of what you would get was, um, you know, what to serve the kids at Christmas yeah. dinner or they're all very like syrupy and red and just had straws right. and very kid oriented. And yeah, we hate straws, you know, love I, the ocean. <laughs> I hate straws. <laughs> So I decided um, a little swirly straw that'll come out saying Marnie or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just I I ended up hiring a recipe developer to help me start creating recipes because I really had no idea where to start, and um, I didn't. I knew that I just didn't want anything that was super syrupy, and I wanted something sophisticated. And this was for the blog, like yeah, getting a recipe was, developer to help you get them for the yeah, blog. Cool. This was just for the blog and for my own fun, so I could have drinks to make and serve. Right. Um, and then it's kind right. of just evolved over the last couple of years into more of a movement. And what we're focusing on in 2020 is really working with the bars and restaurants and the hospitality industry on providing more options. The past couple of years have really been about kind of getting the word out there, the message. And as you have probably seen and your audience has probably seen, is it, it really is a movement now. And I like to say mm -hmm. that um, I don't want it to be a movement anymore. I want it to be a normal thing. Kind of, yeah, like glute, kind of gluten-free or vegan or just want you to be able to walk into any bar or restaurant and know that you're welcome and that you have options. So that's yeah, really what we're focused on for 2020. I think that blend of it being less of a movement is when you start to get people who are just like sober curious or right. like, man, I just don't want to drink tonight, you know, and then right. they've got an option versus there's so much of like, you might not have a problem with alcohol, but um, you know, you just don't want that extra drink at happy hour, but you want to socialize because you need to be a part of happy hour because there's work connections and, you know, the excuses go yeah. on and on. And then in today's day until the mocktail trend gets bigger, it often is like, well, forget it. I'll just have one because I, I need to be here and I need to socialize. So right. even for that audience, I think them getting on board with like this idea of there being um, alternative options is really cool. And it's wild to see that it really has just happened in the last two years because I'm now, you know, Compared to you, only four years sober. Yeah, four <laughs> years four is a long years, time. I got to watch that kind of flip of, you know, four years ago, I would go to any place. Most would be like, uh, no, like we don't have any non-alcoholic beer. Or we don't know like what you're saying with mocktail. And to like, I went to Total Wine and More last week and I was like, okay, well maybe they'll have like the Heineken 0.0. .0 like I, that's a new NA beer. Mm -hmm. They have like two sections of shelving on an aisle, like full, like, floor to ceiling of the of the shelving units all with na options um for beer and then so a bunch cool. of na wine it was amazing we left with like a massive shopping cart people thought we were gonna have like, a raging party i sent a picture to my family and i was like this entire cart doesn't have alcohol in it and uh, it was just awesome that you know over the next week it was like thanksgiving so we had my um my mom who's like two and a half years sober and my stepdad who just doesn't drink much in town and um you know to have like a fun beer tasting almost at dinner without oh. the booze was really cool had, like ambers and ipas and a coffee cream stout and um yeah just really neat options in that front i was a big beer connoisseur but um yeah i also love the mocktails and it's fun to see like what's come out in that side too before i started dope um i 
I guess actually it was in the early stages of dope. And I was like, uh, looking for more places to work, um, during the day, you know, kind of bored of coffee shops and everything. And didn't always want to be just working in my apartment. I was used to like being around people when I was right. uh, in my tech life before. And I got so sick of coffee shops. I was like, man, I wish there was like a mocktail bar or like a kombucha bar or something like that, you know, um, looking for some non-alcoholic place to hang out, you know, that wasn't going to be mm-hmm. some loud bar, but wasn't coffee shop and now it's like coming to life like this movement has really picked up some steam listen bar in new york um i think it's like one night a month but it's a a full-on like bartenders making these crazy mocktails and the founder of listen bar isn't actually even completely sober just like interested in sometimes not having it so yeah that that blending is becoming more popular for sure it's been really fun to be a part of because um, sobriety is my story, obviously, but it's not everybody's story. And um, the reason I drink mocktails is because I can't drink alcohol. But the messages mm-hmm. I would get from people listing off all the reasons why, you know, they're choosing not to drink. My wife is pregnant. I'm just trying to support her. Um, I'm on med- medication. Mm-hmm. I have a business meeting nice tomorrow. Time. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And I think that's mm-hmm. what the hospitality industry is missing is that they assume if you're coming to a bar, you want to drink. But I think what you're coming to a bar for really is connection and socializing and the drink is a bonus. And I think that's what's been, it was kind of hard for me at first, actually, I'll be honest, was, you know, making these mocktails. And um, I was like, everybody was talking about the mocktail queen. She's the mocktail queen. And I was like, it's, it is, (laughs) it is about the mocktails because I want you all to try them. I want you all to make them and serve them and enjoy them. But it's really about so much more than that. It's really about making people feel included and giving mm-hmm. people options to make better choices in their in their days or their lives. There's just, it's fun to get yeah. the pushback from the bars because they're like, no, people are coming here to drink. And I'm like, but how do you know yeah. that? Because if you don't have a drink on your menu, like this perfect example, my brother, um, you know, he drinks beer, wine, whatever. Um if you don't, we, we went out and if, if you don't have something on the menu that's non-alcoholic for him to choose from or me, whoever, um, and you make it a big production and now it becomes a thing and now he's, it's uncomfortable and awkward, he's probably just going to mm-hmm. order a beer or a glass of wine because that's and easy, it. Yeah. you know? And so now you've just yeah. lost well, that opportunity. You don't have like the sales data to show how effective mocktails would be because you're not serving those options yet. You, so everyone reverts yeah. to drink. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a, a really crazy world. Um, I can imagine that's a kind of tough tough sell to make at first. People who have just done it the same way for so long. But um, I follow this account. Uh, it's at Sober in Vegas, and oh, Kim yeah. runs that with Kim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's so great. She was posting some tips of like if you're hosting a holiday party, like yeah. consider having something other than like sparkling water for the person or like just honestly so many times you show up and they're like well we have water for you you know it's yeah. like okay so you get wine you get wine you get wine and then they look at you and they're like oh like yeah. <laughs> you know it's, <laughs> it's like if you had other options maybe some other people in the room would be like oh well I'm running a race this weekend I don't want to drink either or oh I I need to work tomorrow morning early I, I don't want to drink either but when wine or water is your only option yeah it really kind of leaves um leaves some people super uncomfortable and makes others lean into the wine when they might not have so yeah, it's Let funny. Him. I had a friend of mine that did that. She was pregnant. And so she went to a party and she brought her own mocktails and she had like three or four people that ended up drinking her stuff. <laughs> and it's like, it. yeah, see, I, I feel I, that so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. 
come to a party with like kombucha or something. Or um, yeah, sometimes I like someone had gotten me sparkling apple cider when we uh, got married this summer. And like as the gift, they got the sparkling apple cider for me. So I made this like crazy concoction of like that and all these limes and kombucha. And then (laughs) sure enough, like everyone was drinking it. um, Some with the bourbon in their other hand, but you know, some just had that. Good, uh, good option well, to have. I think that's key though, too, is, you know, if I show up at a party and you don't have anything for me, I, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm not, I'm going to drink what you have and it's great. I will have a good time regardless. But what a great feeling it is for your guests to know that you thought of them. And the mm-hmm. other thing is that it's really easy to make a batch drink of a non-alcoholic mocktail and then have mm-hmm. people add vodka if that's what they want to do. So um, it doesn't yeah. necessarily like have to be in that. And, yeah. And I do always encourage people that if you are really, you know, if you're having anxiety about having to go to a party at someone's home and you don't know if they're going to have something for you and it's a trigger for you or it's a real situation, then bring your own stuff. It's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Less risk if you just cover yourself. But yep. as anyone out there hosting something, it certainly is like we could live with you not having something ready for us, but man, it's like such a nice uh, show of support. And like, you really appreciate it when they have thought of you. Like Truly I love is. when we show up somewhere, there's the group text about like, Oh, Hey, we're going to do the the run. We'll grab some beers or whatever. And then they show up with like a six pack of NA beers for me. And it's like, yeah. Oh, thank you. Or, kombucha or something. So it just feels nice really special. Yeah. So if we take it way back uh, all those years ago, kind of what led you into this decision to, to get sober? What inspired your step? Oh gosh, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I was thinking about it this morning because I was like, what, you know, I, I have, you know, the same story as everybody else. I hit my, my bottom and knew that I had to stop. And and mine was just a really ugly night at a elementary school fundraiser that my kids went to. And um, the funny thing about that is it really wasn't different. It wasn't any different than any of the other bad nights that I'd had. But for some reason that night Mm -hmm. I knew when I got home, that that was, you know, it ended up getting into a big fight with my husband and just all the usual stuff. And um, I just knew that that was the last night that was going to happen. And um, the next morning I woke up and we sat down at the table and before I could tell him, you know, that I'd made this decision, he pretty much said, you need to fix this or we have a very serious problem on our hands. Um, Mm -hmm. So I knew that it had come, it, it was time, but I think the biggest thing for me that that changed was I loathed myself. Like I just, I I literally couldn't stand me. And Mm -hmm. it was almost a physical sensation of disgust and hate. And Mm -hmm. I just physically could not be in that body and be that person anymore. And I didn't know, I mean, I just had an inkling that sobriety was going to help. My mom has been sober for, oh my gosh, since I was five. So 45 years. Wow. So run the family or what? (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? It almost always does. So um, So I I just knew that that was the first step for me. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what was going to be involved. I just knew that that was going to be the first step in making myself feel better because I literally physically couldn't stand to be in my own skin. So... That was kind of the uh, transformation moment for me. Yeah. The big like, oh man, we got to make a change. Um, And it is really scary and unknown. And like, you don't know uh, how it's going to be. You just know you can't keep going the way you are. Yeah. It couldn't be worse than it already was. I knew that. Yeah. Or scarily, I feel like some part of me knew it could. And I was like, I should stop now before it does 
get there. You know, there was always one step further it could have gone and I just wasn't willing to keep oh, trying. Yeah. I knew my drinking was could 100% be worse, but I knew that sobriety was as scary as it was. Is It was not going to be any worse than what I was dealing with already. Right. So I knew it was going to be hard and um, and it was. I cried a lot. <laughs> it just, I remember so calling my doctor better. and asking him for like just a um, like a Vicodin, some kind of relaxant just to have for a couple days. Cause I literally, I just cried for like days and, um, made it to my first meeting. Thank you to a friend of mine, um, that brought me in. Yeah. Um, the rest is history, <laughs> but boy, so when you were first, like, I'm going to get sober. It was like, maybe I'll just be able to do this on my own, but kind of had a friend that was suggesting. I, going I knew I wasn't going to be able to, I didn't know I had, had Actually, I had tried and it was kind of funny because I had um, I had gone to see I had some stomach issues when I was drinking and I had gone to see kind of a mm-hmm. naturopath and she did some allergy testing on me and not knowing any of my story. She said, your body has a real intolerance to alcohol. And I was like, oh, OK. And so I tried to quit drinking alcohol for 30 days just, you know, to try and give my stomach a break. And I literally would mark, off the, mark off the days on the calendar, like I'd X them off. Yeah. <laughs> And it was yeah. a big deal. And I, I'm not even sure I made it the 30 days. I The longest I had made it without drinking was when I was pregnant with my two daughters. So um, mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. And at that time, really, it was rehab or AA. And my mom had gone to AA. And that was kind of, that was kind of just all I knew. So yeah. I had a friend that um, our kids went to school together. I didn't know her all that well. I did know that she didn't drink. And so... The morning after the awful fundraising auction, I showed up at school to drop my kids off. She was there. I literally like walked up to her like a mad woman and said, why don't you drink? <laughs> not, not good morning. Not hello. Yeah. Just why don't you drink? And Tell she, me. Thank goodness she had been sober for a very long time. And I'm sure she could see the terror in my face. And she yeah. said, well, you know, she kind of gave me just a little bit of her story. And I said, I think I need help. And so she brought me into my first meeting and ended up being my sponsor mm-hmm. for a little while. But had she awesome. had she not been able to help me, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it on my own. You would have found some way. You're meant to I be w- doing what you're doing now. So. I, I would have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very cool though. It's um, there are so many routes to it. Like there are some people who are just like, look, I'm never drinking again. It's over. I'm done. Um, and then some that you know need more of a support network, and some that really need to go to proper rehab. But yeah. either way, you end up at just like such a different life than you would have had if you stayed. So, really cool. Um, thanks for sharing some about your journey. Um, so well, outside the, of the work, oh, go oh, ahead. Go sorry, ahead. I think that's the cool thing about mm-hmm. today is that um, recovery has changed so much. You know, we still have rehab mm-hmm. options, and we still have AA. We have the basics, but there are so many different options for all types of people now. And I love that because like you said, it's just, you know, people recover in different ways. And some people are fine just saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to drink anymore. And that's great. And that works for them. But for so many people, I think we need some kind of accountability or direction or help. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, it's been funny. I don't know if you found this with the work that you're doing now in the zero proof movement, but um, it's almost like, owning it and being like comfortable talking about it is another round of accountability for me. Um, feeling that like, you know, I've been so public and so open with it, with my journey starting dope and the people that have reached out and this, you know, people, my story has been able to touch. It's like, 
I can't imagine um, going back now. Like so many people are relying on me to keep this up and I love who I am. And, you know, it's a nice like extra accountability to just be talking about it instead of trying to keep it to yourself. And it's so cool that we can talk about it because I think we are helping people and we don't even know we're helping people. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, it's, uh, I, I didn't talk about it for a long time. Um, and then when I, when I did start talking about it, it was really fun just to see, to get messages from people, um, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, being inspired to stop or asking questions. And, um, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's been a mindset change for me instead of, I felt like it was always something that was kind of shameful in my life. And now it's something I'm really mm-hmm. proud of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have been asked like if I've ever felt like um, my battles with alcoholism, sobriety and everything is a a negative. Like, have I had an investor turn away because of it or something? But maybe it is the changing times, but I really feel like it's a prideful point. Like I'm like the most efficient entrepreneur because I don't drink and, you know, I'll be sharper and brighter and all those things like because of the sobriety, not, you know, despite it. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. It's an interesting kind of twist we're in. Um, so tell me about kind of your diving into Marnie Ray. What had you been doing before? I think you had a company with your, your husband. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. And so my husband and I like. started our construction company in 1990. Um, so we've been in business cool. almost 30 years and we do uh, mostly commercial st- uh, construction. We live in a Navy town. So a lot of what we do is for the na- local Navy here and um, it's a fairly, you know, decent sized company. We've got 30, 35 employees on any given, on any given day. And, um, that has been a real journey for both of us. Um, he's, my husband's done a great job of making this a success, successful company. And I've been so happy to be a part of that, but, um, mm-hmm. and able to contribute to that. Um, it let me stay home with my kids. I learned so much. I got to work side by side with my husband and I still do a couple days a week, um, Mm-hmm. but I knew that there was something more out there for me. I didn't know what that was. So I've kind of been experimenting with things over the years and um, started the blog and decided this was going to be kind of my fun thing. But as you know, probably running a business, it, you can't just be half in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you kind of either got to commit oh, or you don't. <laughs> because even blogging, I mean, it sounds like, oh, I'll just write a blog post. Oh, I'll just write an Instagram post. It is mm-hmm. so much more than that. And there's so much that goes on that um, mm-hmm. I ended up giving myself one day a week off from the our company to work on this. And that eight hour day was just not even near enough time. So I kind of had to make the decision that I was either going to commit or not because I couldn't grow the way I wanted to with the way I was working. And um, so since then, I've had to reduce my hours at our business and try and spend more time trying to get this to grow. And that's been challenging for me. There's a lot of guilt involved there. Um, You know, he's still working his ass off, (laughs) but he's a worker, Mm -hmm. so he's going to do that regardless. But he likes it. He does. And I, and although I feel like what I'm doing is, you know, it's something for me and it's something for the community and it's actually making an impact in the world. Um, sometimes it, I struggle with mindset, you know, I feel a little selfish sometimes. And um, so I'm trying to work through some of those hurdles. It? He is 100% supportive. Like he couldn't be See any there? more supportive. We all guilt ourselves and no one else is upset. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, I am the only one yeah. standing in my way. Nobody, he doesn't make me feel bad. He doesn't make negative yeah. comments. I mean, nothing. So he's nothing but supportive. Yeah, so often the case, we put ourselves yeah. in that, that corner. So I think you should be really excited. You found something that 
you know, lights you up inside, you get excited to make a difference, you feel like you're having an impact, like it's a, a really special thing to find in the world. I realized talking to so many people that they're just striving for that, yeah. that little flicker, you know, and uh, to have found it, it's it's absolutely the right move to lean into it. So it I'm is. proud of it, you and I'm glad. You thank you. you for saying that. I appreciate that. I have to pep talk, talks with myself daily and I have a girlfriend that I talk to daily <laughs> that gives me well, pep talks. Notes, like every week, like you're doing the right thing. <laughs> you're doing the right thing. And it feels right. And I think that's the most important thing for me is it just feels right. The The glitch is that it's scary as AF. It is, you know, I'm having. What to... are you talking about? Entrepreneur life is not scary. It's, <laughs> it's totally so easy. Hundred percent, you will win. <laughs> yeah. It is no, just no one ever said that. everything crazy. going against my normal. I mean, I'm having to put myself out there. I'm going on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm doing media interviews. I'm having to be a leader and make decisions, and it's just yeah. it's scary. And so I'm having I'm questioning myself every day. Dang, it gets it gets hard, but. Man, once you yeah. get through, once you get through that moment, as I'm sure you've experienced, you've got through that hard thing where like you're like on the Shark Tank, maybe. It is like mm-hmm. a high I have never experienced doing anything else. Yeah, I was just talking to another entrepreneur last night um, at that Forbes event about just as entrepreneurs, the highs are so high, but the lows are so low, and mm-hmm. when it is low, it is all on your shoulders you know often you don't actually have many people um you know you can't scare your your team or your company to right. talk about the hard stuff all the time and it's right. your burden to bear um but it's also your joy to share in when things are good so i just have tried to figure out that i need to sit back and know that the roller coaster is going to go up again and know that it's going to go down again no matter yes, where i'm at um for sure you know it's kind of just peaks and valleys but it is overall like a really incredible thing not only to um, have the impact we're having with the companies we are and um, uh, but also giving you know a career to the people that work for us and yeah. and those sort of things so you I like think really that's creating- really what keeps me going is you it's you are physically able to see the positive impact that you're making and I get messages weekly yeah. from people that you know, I'll be in that mode of, oh, it's just, these are just mocktails. Like, what am I doing? And somebody yeah. will say, thank you. I quit drinking and I haven't socialized, you know, out in the world in the last year because I just didn't know how. So thank you for this. And that kind of stuff yeah, is what like, a okay, yes, what a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cool. I feel the same way. It's those days you go back and have to read the old contact forms. And yes, um, yeah, very do you, cool. Do you keep a file of all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I try to keep most of them uh, corralled. So I have a a go back to on on low days. There was a mother who watched um, my Shark Tank episode and wrote saying that she had just lost her son to the disease of addiction in February. And that seeing Kelsey on Shark Tank last night felt like a message from my Ryan and uh, just like thanked me for what I'm doing. And we exchanged like a number of emails back and forth. And I um, just so moved by that concept that like a little bit of bravery of sharing your story, you know, on national television was able to make a grieving mother like a little warmer that night. And um, it's just really cool. Yeah. Really neat. Neat opportunity. Yeah. No, don't cry. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) It's a good cry. It's a, it's a really neat thing though. I don't take it lightly. um, And I definitely don't want to stop doing what I'm doing because I, and, and you as well. So we really, People need to hear it. Like some of the messages you get, like you mentioned, um, people who are sober who have never spoken about it openly Mm -hmm. and you're giving them this like little window, just a little space of thought that like, what if I 
shared that I am or the curiosity of like, man, how is my relationship with alcohol? Like how many people have I made stop and think like, what is, why am I drinking, you know, four nights a week or, you know, what, what is that extra glass of wine about? And that's awesome. Like I just, to tinker in anyone's brain a little bit um, on this stuff that's affected me so greatly is really worthwhile. Huge. I did a podcast last week with a a gal that I know and she, um, she drinks and she has built a kind of a life coaching community of women. Um, She's doing a great job. She's very inspirational, but um, she drinks and her, like her Instagram feed is she'll admit is a lot of wine and beer and drinking. And Mm -hmm. so she emailed me and asked if she could interview me for the podcast and um, her podcast mm. is about living with intention. And she said, you know, to be mm. honest, I'm a little nervous because I, I feel like I, this is something I need to examine in my own life. So we had this really great mm-hmm. conversation. And one of the things that she does with her community is she'll do a monthly challenge, whether it's, you know, we're going to run a mile every day or we're going to eat salads for lunch every day, or she always has some kind of fun challenge for her community. And so during our conversation, I challenged her to do dry January And Mm -hmm. she said, I'll take you up on the challenge. And then she messaged me like the next day and said, um, I decided I'm going to start December 1st. So which I just Mm -hmm. wanted to jump for joy because I thought, you know what, I don't even care if you like quit drinking forever. But at least like you said, it's making you think a little bit about what your relationship is and how this is impacting your life positively or negatively. And if at the end of it, you want to continue doing what you're doing, then good for you. But maybe it gives you the opportunity to make change. Yeah, society's like pre-built in this direction for everyone that like, no, you're just gonna, you work till it's happy hour and then you drink all weekend and like, that's just what it is. And so just trying to bring a little, a little thought in there that it could be different, that you could do something else, that you could drink something else while you're out or whatever it is, is, is the biggest thing. Agreed. Yep. Um, what do you think like you're most proud of in your life? Um, if you had to name one thing. Um, I think I'm really proud of finding the courage to make my mess my message Um, because Mm -hmm. like we already talked about, you know, I went through sobriety for probably 14 or 15 years without ever talking to anybody about it other than, you know, my close family. Um, I... I never, it was something I was kind of ashamed of. You know, I remember going to AA meetings and making sure, you know, it's like, oh my God, what if somebody sees my car here? You know, think about the name of it, right? It was Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, and they tell you. To be known or seen and don't tell anyone. And yeah, there's like what stays in the beginning. Yeah, they're like, don't talk about AA, don't talk about the program. And so it it, it does. I know, <laughs> like, right? Or someone needs to come up with another another program that's, you know, okay, embracing it. Because I do think it starts that shame, shame. mentality in so many people's heads. Agreed. And I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't think that's intentional. But boy, mm-hmm. you know, those people in those rooms, not, not AA, but those people in those rooms saved me. So I'm super grateful yeah. for that. But that is one thing yeah. that I didn't realize all these years was not talking about it was not helping me get over the shame Mm -hmm. around it. And so finding the courage Mm -hmm. to actually, you know, say it out loud and talk about it out loud. I live in a very small community. So, you know, for me to come out and say I'm an alcoholic or um, I don't drink or whatever has been challenging. And of course I've had nothing but positive um, feedback from anybody and I would expect nothing less, but it's, it's still scary. Yeah. It's like that little gut leap. I was, um, 
on another episode interviewing a founder who had come out, I think he was 25. And it's almost the same explanation of making that decision to come out of the closet and like yeah. how you're talking about those feelings of being able to talk about being, um, being sober, being an alcoholic, like you have this giant fear and it's all built up inside that it's going to be terrible and everyone's going to judge you. And then you do it and everyone's like, dude, that's freaking cool. I know. <laughs> like, you know <laughs> congratulations. Like I, I could never do that. That's awesome. You know, yes. it's, it's been you know, really positive. So well, um, and it's, and he, um, he said the same thing that it's more embraced than, uh, and ridicule when he told people close to him. One hundred percent. And every now and then you get the one that it gets weird and awkward. Where then you just know that they probably have some, you know, a relationship with alcohol <laughs> that they should that they probably need to examine yeah. and aren't that aren't there yet. Yeah. And that's okay. But I just learned to not take that personally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and you never know what they're thinking about later, even after the the hard shell when you talk to them. So, you know, that's been um, um, amazing too, because I think, um, you know, I think it's great to be loud and proud about our recovery, but um, I also think there's something to be said for just leading by example. And that's happened quite mm -hmm. a few times where I've, you know, been at an event and people have noticed that I don't drink or, or have alluded mm -hmm. to the fact that I don't drink and they will approach me literally like a month later and start asking questions. And, that makes me mm -hmm. really happy. I just feel like um, that's making yeah. those are those moments when you're making an impact and you just don't even know. Yeah, you know, I feel like um, one thing that's a common theme here is like when I first started talking about uh, being sober on Dope's channel and the messages that we were getting from people from, you know, I'm multiple years sober and I've never told anyone, it's so cool to see that you are, to I'm two weeks sober, like, do you know of any good meetings or like, you know, yeah. how was it for you in the beginning? Um, I'm just thinking like, man, there's gotta be some like online community or like some more information out there for people who are Googling for help. Like surely they've like Googled this if they don't feel like there's anyone in their day-to-day -day life that they can talk to right. so far as to write, you know, the founder of a cookie dough company to, to talk right. about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, wish, you know, I love it. I'm so glad that they do, but I, um, yeah, I just... I wish there were more resources out there. So it wasn't until they find a Marnie or a Kelsey that they can, you know, hear that it's going to be okay and find out yeah. what good meetings are nearby and yeah, all that stuff. So yeah. that's my yeah. next plan. <laughs> Count me in. I'm in. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. In your spare time. Tomorrow. Yes. Um, hey, off the record too, I, I'm like super interested to hear what else you're thinking of in the zero proof movement. Like I, uh, besides that non-alcoholic bar concept had also almost leaned into canned mocktails. Yeah. Um, so I love making mocktails. I used to really like also making cocktails, but um, I love it. And that's just like the creativity you can have in a mocktail is out of this world, as I'm sure you know full and well now. Yeah. Um, but in like a canned option for bars um, to be able to stock, you know, they start to stock more NA beers and whatnot, but the mocktail is always like um, – trying to get all their bartenders, you know, trained yeah. up on these new drinks and maybe they don't want to do it or maybe they don't have as fancy a stuff. Like they're not an herb and whatever kind of right. upscale bar. Right. So having some like herbaceous mocktails in cans is something I had noodled on. We were actually talking about it. We have a drink, um, the spicy grapefruit margarita that is kind of a fan favorite. Um, everybody mm -hmm. requests the recipe. We get, I've never it's... had a virgin margarita that I liked. 
It, oh, because you know what happens with a virgin margarita? In fact, don't ever order virgin margarita because literally what they do is they take out the tequila and you're left with the triple sec and the syrups and it's disgusting. So it's probably the worst drink to order alcohol free. Well, and um, you can't even have triple sec. That's booze, right? Yeah, so right. It's just the it's just that like sweet and sour or whatever it's syrup. Disgusting. That they have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we have the spicy grapefruit margarita with an adobo chili salt rim. And we're trying to figure out how we can um, somehow get that into the hospitality industry and make it easy for them. Because in all my conversations I've had with bar owners and restaurant owners, is it has to be plug and play. I mean, it has to be easy for them. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things we're talking about with them, we're working actually with a distributor in Nashville right now who has a, he's kind of a craft distributor who deals with boutique um, cideries and breweries. Um, alcohol based, but he's getting more and more mm-hmm. alcohol free product. And he can see that this movement is gaining traction mm-hmm. and he sees the gap. He's like, this is an opportunity for us to sell more product and for there to be mm-hmm. more options in bars and restaurants. So we're working with him um, on trying to get the hospitality industry to really hop on board. But the key is, um, you know, we, we create a rest, an alcohol-free recipe for them, but it, ha- it can go both ways. So here's your mocktail, but you add tequila or you add whiskey and now you have a mm-hmm. cocktail. Because I think that's the whole thing is, uh, you know, I'm not expecting bars to go out and buy a whole slew of ingredients just for their mocktail menu. They would be poor business people if they did that. You know, they should be working with ingredients they already have on hand. And, and I think that's where they're missing the mark maybe is they don't realize that they have all these really fabulous ingredients they can already work with. They're not having to recreate the wheel. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the plan for 2020 is to figure out how to get in there. Uh, Cause I think a product is really the way to go to make it easy for them. So are you looking at doing something in a like canned fashion that they would distribute? Yeah. We're trying or to figure out at- if it's, if, if we can get together a pre-made mocktail mix, so yeah. to speak that, you know, literally they can yeah. pour from the bottle. So cool. That's awesome. If I can really, I'll cut this out from the podcast, but if I can help or be involved in any way, um, it's a huge like passion area for me and, um, something on like the business side, I just see like such a need for. So, um, yeah, you would be a really great resource because now I've moved from, you know, talking to the hospitality industry to now have to deal with the food industry. (laughs) So I know there's a whole slew of things that I do not have a clue about. So you would be a great resource and I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, I'm sure. for sure. Very cool. Um, okay, back at it. <laughs> Another question <laughs> I have. Um, what's your best piece of advice to pass on to others? Anyone out there listening? Oh, gosh. Um, I think something that I have to remind myself daily is it's all temporary. So the feeling that I have right now is temporary, good or bad, mm-hmm. um, is it's all temporary. So um if I can just sit with the feelings and get through them and navigate them, you know, they're usually short lived and um, I know everything will be okay in the end. It's when I really try to, you know, ignore what's going on, ignore how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. that usually is what leads to problems. So I try and remind myself daily that um, it's all temporary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to be this way tomorrow. So. Mm -hmm. That's so huge. You meditator, Marnie. Oh my gosh, Kelsey, I'm trying. <laughs> it's so hard. No, Are you? It, uh, I, I dabble. So I try. Um, usually like between one on an insane week that I just can't pull it off. And there's no excuses because it's like, you know, even five minutes would make a difference. Yeah. So some weeks, yeah, like five or seven days. So 
Um, just depends on like where I'm at, but my gosh, I see like such a difference in my temperament and really? behavior and ability to, yeah. uh, to manage and redirect stressful situations. Like it's a, it's another Kelsey, um, when I'm on like a full blown meditative week. So wow. I was just thinking of it because it's, um, this app I was using, it's called 10%, uh, amazing app, free plug for them there. Um, they are kind of a video based at first. You watch like a one and a half to two minute video and then it's like a 10 minute meditation afterwards. And it's got so many just practical tips for applying this stuff in your everyday life. And um, the, what you were talking about with knowing that emotions are okay to sit with, you don't have to fight it. You can mm-hmm. feel it, you can recognize it and like watch it pass as an like almost external part of you. It doesn't have to be like, the driving factor, like emotions leading your actions is a dangerous place to be in. So it's kind of building that little, uh, that breath in between that separation to say like, okay, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? You know, is there anything that I I can do? Um, and then just, you know, sometimes it's just shitty and you just need to cry and sit with it and you, you can, but, um, having that, that insight that this is just a season, this is a weather pattern coming Uh through. Yep. Yeah, so 10 interesting. Seconds, you said is the name of the app. Uh, 10%. Oh, 10%. Yeah, T-E-N okay. and then percent. It's actually like a famous news anchor that really got into meditation. You'll recognize him. I forget his name. Poor guy. Awesome guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you'll recognize him when you see him. But he, I guess, found so much value in meditation. He brought together all these meditation experts and created this app. So there's you know, a 10 pack on emotions. And like, I just love the video part. Um, my husband and I actually really enjoyed, there was a part on relationships and, um, communication and, uh, yeah, just had great tips for like how to get through those heated moments or how to get through, um, you know, rethinking like how someone's feeling or why they, uh, what need they had that was met or not. And, um, yeah, I found a lot of value from it. So. Oh, I can't wait to check it out. I, that's something I've learned from my husband is, um, he's so good at realizing that, um, of being able to pull the emotion out of the business side of things. I, I always Mm -hmm. have an emotional reaction to it. And he's like, you can't take this personally. You have to be able to pull Mm -hmm. the emotion out of it and look at the facts and be able to make a decision. And so that's, um, that's something I have to work on. (laughs) 10% can help you with that. Yeah. We'll check it out. Yeah. It's kind of like floating above it all and just saying like, um, I can, yeah, see the facts as they are. I don't need to be drawn into, uh, all the sort of emotional drama that clouds Mm -hmm. it. Um, amazing. You are so awesome. I'm really glad that, uh, we got connected and, um, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Remind everyone when national mocktail week is. You bet. Uh, National mocktail week 2020 is January 12th through the 18th. It's the second full week in January each year. And we have a couple of events in Seattle this year. And really our week is uh, going to be about promoting those of you that are out there doing this well. So the product makers, the bartenders, the restaurants, um, the creators, the bloggers, the people that are really part of this movement, because I believe so much that this is a collective and our voices are so much mm-hmm. stronger together than they are individually. And I really want to highlight this year the people that have helped this movement go because it's it's going. It's moving, man. Amazing. Moving. So happy you're a part of it. And um, really, any way that I can get involved in what you're doing, um, come out to any events, you know, help promote it on, on our channels, on my channel. Uh, more than happy to do that. Super, super amazing. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It's been a treat. Yeah.
we will be in touch. I love it. Awesome, awesome. Marnie. Thank you for joining today. Thanks, Kelsey. Whoa. Thanks for listening to that whole podcast. You rock. All right. We hope you're leaving here today with even a smidge more inspiration than when you showed up. If you did, my job is done here. Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us at Eat Dope. And if you're craving some cookie dough, and I mean, when are you not, order at dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com and use code SOBERPODCAST for 10% off. Have a dope day. Awesome.